0: Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support.
1: You can be seated. Good morning. I tell you what, folks, there's a lot of churches I could be in today. I'm where God wanted me today. And I love the pastor's view on coincidence. I've heard him say that on television. He's one of the very few people in Christian television I watch. I watch them every chance I get because he's real. He and his wife bring such a dynamic of spiritual I call it spiritual for- special forces. You know, really. Uh, I was not a green Bray as I made distinction. I was a brown water black beret in the United States Navy. I was assigned to SEAL Team 1, but I was a brown water black beret, which is different than the SEALs. I drove the fastest boats in the world with the baddest boys you ever saw fighting a war on board. And we had the highest killed in action per capita, but you couldn't prove it because... Our boats were made of fiberglass, and when they shoot an anti-tank rocket that's designed to blow up hard steel tanks, when it hits a fiberglass boat, it turns the whole thing to, you know, white powder, enough to drive a cocaine addict insane. <laughs> <laughs> now, that right there is funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but I was a Brownwater black Bray, and I'm, can I say it this way? I'm kind of proud of my scars and stripes. I'm not ashamed of my service. And boy, is it fun to be in such an uh, enthusiastic congregation. I go to some churches, you feel like you're in a cemetery, you know. First church of the morgue. We're at new beginnings, not old endings. (laughs) That's a good line right there. Uh, I don't travel alone. I have the joy of traveling for the last 33 years with my associate and her husband, she is an ordained minister, and she's a great vocalist. Uh, I worked for many years, almost a decade, uh, with Dr. Billy Graham. I was privileged to speak in schools and military. Come on over here, Kat, In military installations during the years that I worked with him. And then on Monday night, I got to speak 20 minutes before he did. And so I got to share my story in these great crusades in Europe and in America. And he always had his own music, so no matter how great the music was, and they always had great choir music, and there were other guest musicians like David Green, et cetera, but always, and Ethel Waters, remember her? She was a great vocalist on occasions, but George Beverly Shea, when he sang How Great Thou Art, angels hushed their wings and just listened. And Bev and I, Bev Shea and I were great friends, and I hated the day passed, but I kind of took the example because for 20 years, we shared the same board members between the Graham Evangelistic Association and our association. So I had the greatest mentors in the world to train me in mass evangelism and missions view. So I latched on to this wonderful lady and her husband who've been with me all these years. And I want her to sing a song for me. But Kathy, take a minute, greet the folks. They don't know you maybe. But we're here today because of this woman. We're in this room with you today because as we were driving down the highway, she pointed at this church. And I didn't know who I thought you all were in a different building over by the old TBN headquarters. And uh, and I I thought it was. And because I don't I'm in the Metroplex only because it's an address, but I'm never here. Really, I'm here maybe three times a year. So I don't know a lot of things that go on in the Metroplex. But she said that is a great church with a great pastor. And why aren't you scheduled there? I said, well, I don't know. I said, you know, my rule pretty much is they call me. I don't call people. I've got plenty of invitations. Not that. She felt like I was supposed to be here. And she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have our office call. And you know what? It's bigger than today. It's bigger than that. God is going to launch something. That's going to be a partnership in reaching those that are needing. Very few churches in the world have a ministry to the very few people who have, who are responsible for the greatest blessing of freedom, freedom of religion. And because of our veterans protecting our freedom of religion, speech, press, et cetera, et cetera, because of them, we can sit in this room. And yet they're the ones that get the least attention. And I don't say that because of failure. It's it's sometimes just not. If you don't know what you don't know, how do you know what you don't know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I even know what I just said. So <laughs> I don't think you did either. But we'll leave it at that. But because of Kathy's sensitive spirit, I I, I can truly say I'm here today. We are here today, Kathy, because God wants us to be here. And Pastor. In your presence and, and before your people and online to the hundreds of thousands of people that watch your ministry. First of all, I love your ministry. You and your wife are special. But I want to say this to you. I've sat in many a church office prior to me speaking. I've never, this is the first place I've ever sat where the pastor leaned forward and started firing off question after question after question after question after question out of not just curiosity, but passion, Dave, tell me, what do you do? Why do you do it? Where do you do it? To whom do you do it? Where can we get involved in ministry to our veterans? Because he said this very week, God spoke to me. That ain't accident, baby. (laughs) There's no accident with that. But this is special for me, too, because today I get to have Kathy with me, uh, Reverend Wampler, and that's out of respect, and she's working toward her doctorate. She is a very, very special minister, especially to military wives, first responder wives, and first responders, female, and first respond uh, and military women, that, uh, whether they're married to a spouse in the military or not. She's got a powerful ministry called Abide that reaches them. Just closed the session last week, and of all times, in that beautiful, magnificent lodge on the side of the cliff there on that mountain in Colorado. The boiler blew up, and they had to move everybody out of the lodge because it put out those fumes that can kill you, some carbon monoxide. And they had to go to a hotel. And her resiliency and ability never missed a beat, took them all the way into Colorado Springs, and we got them a big hotel, and they finished out their session. Now we got to finish out the, the new boiler. <laughs> Greet the people and say hi to them, and then sing for us a song. Kathy welcome would you give a big
2: welcome? Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you. I'm glad our steps are ordered of the Lord, right? right. And if it doesn't surprise him, it doesn't need to surprise me, right? (laughs) Uh, My husband and I are in the process of looking for a house. Yay! Said no one ever in this market, right? Uh, We've been looking for a house for a while. And, you know, sometimes when I go before the Lord in prayer about this house, I'm very vague. Lord, you know what we have need of. You know the timing. You know. And in that vagueness, I, I love that the heaven, my Heavenly Father is not worried about me being vague. He's got the list. He knows what I need, right? But sometimes when I pray about this house, out comes, whoosh, you know, the list. The number of bedrooms, the island in the kitchen, the gas stove, ladies, semi, Ladies, yeah. All the things that I want on this list, and I pray about those things to the Lord. Now, my husband has a few things on his list, but that's his problem. He can, he can pray for his own list. But I am... Um, Because his list has to match my list. I'm just saying. Um, Anyway, so I go before the Lord some days, and I am super specific. I'm just putting it out there before the Lord. And I love that that doesn't make him nervous, right? I was doing that one day. I was really just crying out to the Lord about this house. And when I finished, I, I went in to read my Bible for a few moments. And I was doing one of those Bible in a year plans, right? You've done those. And I was reading the Bible through in a year. And I happened to be at the section in Scripture in the Old Testament where if I'm just going to be 100% human and honest it's kind of like in all the detail of you know the tabernacle and all of the stuff and all and I know all of that's important but listen when you're 5 days behind that is not where you want to be to play catch up <laughs> right i mean i'll be i'll be the first to say so I'm reading all of this, and man, I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm, I get to the point, I'm like, I'm five days behind, so I'm flipping my pages, and I'm catching like one word per column. You know, I'm like, lampstands, purple, sashes, and I'm just flipping the pages so fast, I'm fanning myself, right? I'm like, cooling down. And I, uh, I get to the spot on this page trying to catch up, and boy, the Holy Spirit just stopped me dead in my tracks, and the Lord said to me, Kathy, you want to tell me about all the details of your house, but you don't want to read about the details of mine. <laughs> Mm. After I blew my nose and dried my tears, I turned back to the front of those five pages and I started over and the Lord showed me things in those passages that day I'd, I would have totally missed because sometimes we get so focused on our, we go before the Lord in prayer and we've got our, our contract written out and we put a line at the bottom with an X and we want to slide it under the pen of God and say, God, if you'll sign off on all that, I'd appreciate it. But I think we need to go before the Lord with a blank piece of paper. And we've already signed it. And we say, Lord, here, whatever you want to put on this, I'm good with. Amen. That's what we need to do. Because, you know, the truth is, as believers, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what he does or what we feel like he doesn't do for us, if I love him with all my heart, and I do today, I can say with certainty that it is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul today? Amen. Amen. It is well.
3: When peace like a river, a t-
1: You can be seated if you can. That was beautiful, Kathy. I uh, I just told her I'm gonna miss her when she's gone because they're she's booking everywhere all over the country for her ministry and she sings on the side. You can see what good ministry she's got, obviously, because singing's the side benefit. But uh, she's booking all these district things for the Assumers of God denomination. They they're using her everywhere, and my sunset's coming. I don't want her stuck when I'm gone. No place to go. So. I've been encouraging her to step out. Boy, she is doing great. Isn't that... That was good. That was good. I love you, Kathy. Uh, She has three albums. If you don't have one, be sure and pick up all three on your way out. She would appreciate it if you pay for those. (laughs) Uh, I have a book called Scarred, Autobiography, and it includes my work today with the Department of Defense as a resiliency trainer in the Conference of Social Fitness Program. You'll see from my childhood... To my present day, that God had a plan for my life, and it was worked out through suffering. And suffering is something nobody wants, but everybody gets. And how you use it, or it uses you, is up to you. So, that book is very, very important for you to understand that I'm no different than you. I'm an everyday kind of guy, that God had a plan, just like you. And that plan is being played out, and I learned it through suffering. I think the book could be a huge blessing to you. Another one called War and Recovery. These are short stories from the battlefield to the mission field where God takes these tragedies that are now written up in a story form. You can read it like a devotional, and every story has a scriptural basis to apply the principle of that to your life. One of the best books God ever allowed me to write, and I think you'll enjoy it. Another one called Nobody's Ever Cried For Me. This book is very, very awkward. It's not good for you to read to your children until you've read it for yourself first. Don't give it to your children to read until you've read it for yourself first. It doesn't end well. It's not intended to end well. It tells the truth. Why are our kids today in the state of mind, in the state state schools that are in our nation today? You'll see why. The seed was planted when I wrote this book several decades ago. And it is difficult. This, the headline, the title, Nobody's Ever Cried For Me. It's not me saying that. They cry because of me, but not for me, I can tell you. That was a 15-year-old girl raped by her stepfather. When she told me her story at Permian Basin High School in Odessa, Texas, I started to weep. She dried the tear off my face. And, you know, the, the cardinal rule is you don't touch a girl. You don't touch a teenage girl. You don't touch a teenage girl. That is going through difficulty and needing counseling. So counselors don't touch teenage girls. Got it? Right. When she wiped the tears off my face, I lost it. She said, nobody's ever cried for me. I threw my arms around her. I'm crying my eyes out. She's patting me on the back saying, it's okay, mister. We have a counselor. You'll be fine. That book will touch your heart. And here's the facts. I'm running out of them. This may be the last stop I have with them before I have to go to reprint. I didn't intend to bring this book back from the past. I've, I put it on the shelf. It was done until what happened in New Jersey and other states around our liberal nation, teaching our children the garbage that's being taught and pushed out of Disney. If you have Disney on your television, God's going to rain fire judgment on you. <laughs> anyway, another book called, now this, don't let the title fool you, Magic Fountain. Magic Fountain. I just got this out of Belarus a few weeks ago after two years of waiting because the war was delayed. This book is a family heirloom called The Magic Fountain. It's a story of three old hags. I wrote it in the style of C.S. Lewis in analogy. It is hilarious. It is mind-boggling. It will convict you. Three old hags in their search for riches. And what they found when they came upon the king's son on a white horse. And you will love it until you find out which hag you are. And their names were hag number one, hag number two, and Mary Louise. No, I'm kidding. And hag number three. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll love the book. It will be a family heirloom. You'll see none of the graphics in that book were done by computer, every bit was hand drawn. It is a family heirloom. Get it for Christmas for your kids, yourself, and your grandkids. And real quick, we have shirts that that Operation Warrior Reconnect is my relationship with the government through healing our warriors. And we have it in women's size, and we have it in men's size. (laughs) (laughs) And and then we have another one called, this is the expression of the green bray in Latin, and it means to free the oppressed, and in the knife is embedded 418. Tim Tebow put John 316 under his eyes in the championship game. It was Googled 90 million times. We put 418 in that knife, and the guy behind you in the line at Walmart is probably going to read it. I don't think of 90 million of them. He'll Google it. You know what it says? Jesus came free the oppressed, and that boy may find Jesus off that shirt. It's a black shirt. It is the theme of the Green Beret. They stole it from the Bible, so we went back to the Bible and stole it from them. You'll love that. It's our special forces shirt. And then lastly and most urgently, and I apologize for being a salesman. I get zero. Can you say zero? I take not one cent, not one penny royalties. I don't take any salesperson. I get nothing personally out of these books and these items, nothing, because everything goes to pay the scholarship for our warriors to come to our program. Over 6000 we quit counting four years ago, so it's probably double that, have never paid for an airline ticket for the wife, for the children, for the warrior. They've never paid for housing, food, (laughs) lodging, nothing. We cover everything. And we'll cover our new boiler, which is 20,000, out of that. Here's something that we are desperately in need for you to understand. Pastor alluded to it. Today, 22 veterans will commit suicide today. Am I a prophet? No. I'm a historian. Yesterday, 22 committed suicide. Day before yesterday, 22 committed suicide. Tomorrow, 22. Every 65 minutes, a veteran commits suicide. There's something drastically wrong with our program to help our vets. We have a program called Catch Twenty Two, and it is a very successful program. We don't lose many of our warriors who go through our program. We've lost about five out of the thousands and thousands that have been through. Here's what we've discovered: the George Washington University doctors did a study on fragrances like frankincense, myrrh, those things that are biblical. They found out that oil or, of or, essence of orange oil calms post-traumatic stress. Isn't that crazy? Just like other fragrances have other impacts. My wife loved, she loved uh, uh, licorice, or not licorice, what's it, like the barber pole? Peppermint, peppermint. What made my eyes water and made me sneeze in the house all the time. But she loved it. We have orange oil on a 22-bead bracelet It's made of lava rock that absorbs that oil. Our warriors wear it and they testify of its success that a simple little thing that God would give us could make. It's not snake oil and it may not work for everybody, but the people that get it do appreciate it. It's available back there. Thanks for letting me mention all this stuff. I'm not a salesman, but then I guess I am in a way. You're so sweet to let me do that. Thank you. You can use your credit card or your neighbor's card, whichever one you found. (laughs) wrong answer. There's so much I want to say, and I've already started saying some of it. but let me start with where I started in life, because something happened that at birth would direct the rest of my life from birth. When I was born, I was the third child born to my mom over a period of uh, 12 years, and she did fine with the other births. When I was born, she almost died and never recovered. and ended up curled up in a fetal position. Decades later, Fed through a tube, dying, and I, she couldn't even hold me when I was born. I was raised by a Mexican nanny, Maria Rubio, from Matamoros, Mexico. My first language was Spanish. I didn't learn English till I was six years old. They said I'd learn English go to school, and then they told me I was not a Mexican. <laughs> you know what that does to your Hispanic mind. No wonder I've been off course. I, it blew my mind. They said that I cried for weeks. And I remember, I remember, I don't remember how long I cried, but I remember that devastation when I discovered, listen to these words, I was not the man I thought I was. And I can say this for every man, woman, boy, girl, child, old person, whatever we are, until you've come to that moment of self-realization that you're not what you think you are. You probably will never be used of God in an effective way. Amen. I travel this country from coast to coast. I've gone down I-40 and looked out over those beautiful plains of Montana and seen those horses out there. Beautiful mane out, tail stretched out, pawing. there. Oh, they're gorgeous. Gorgeous and worthless. <laughs> they're wild Mustangs. They make soap out of them. I don't know how they do that, but they make soap out of them. Unless somebody says, I want to adopt one of those horses. Then they have to capture it, harness it, Break it, and until it's broken, it can never be used. And it's like many churches I go to. This one's the exception. I go to a lot of churches full of beautiful people that are absolutely worthless. (laughs) Because they've never been broken. They've never been harnessed. They've never been adopted. I've been adopted. Someone found me in a herd of humanity and said, well, let's see what we can do with this one. They didn't choose me for my beauty, I'll tell you that. I'm not a pretty person. Only five years ago, I got my nose back. My nose was blown off. My Well, I had this piece of it. Some of you may remember me if you've known me years. Everything not covered was blown off my head, literally. If it's covered, it was second-degree burn from my clothes. But the blast blew my face off, my hair off, my ear off, my chest my back, my arms were stripped of all the skin. Half my skin was blown. Sixty pounds of flesh went up in smoke in seconds. I went blind in my eye, in my ear. It's plastic. <laughs> they made me my nose, my eyelids, and ears five years ago. But I said, don't mess with that plastic ear. I have more fun with my plastic ear than I ever did my real one. <laughs> if you don't believe me, I ask you one question. Can you leave your ear and listen to what people say about you when you're gone? It fell off one night I was preaching in Jamaica. 10,000 people did this. Ah. I didn't know it fell off. It peeled off like a wet band aid. And I knew something was wrong with everybody doing it. I checked my fly. It was fine. I look around, and out of the corner of my eye, there's my ear laying on my shoulder. You can't ignore it. If they're not breathing. You're going to have Jonestown without the great Kool Aid if you don't do something quick. I grabbed my ear, dried the sweat, stuck it back on. It got worse. They thought it was a miracle, and they all got saved. That is a true story. I couldn't tell them oh, No, it's a phony ear. They would have said, "Oh, yeah, well, you're a phony preacher." They would have stoned me. I don't think Pastor wanted me to come tell you. I went to Jamaica and I got stoned. <laughs> That's why people go to Jamaica to get stoned. He said, "Well, Dave Reaver, you're laughing about. It. You better know I'm laughing about. It. The devil took his best shot, and I'm still here. No weapon formed against me could." Talk is he that's in us than he that's in the world we're more than some of you look at me like well that's a fixed line you better know it's a fixed line it was written in heaven before it was written on earth i'm not here because i'm tough my word if you knew i was i played football in the ninth grade one down it hurts so bad i quit and joined the band and watched other kids get hurt i'm no hero but there's nothing i can't do through christ if i'm in obedience In alignment with his word. My life is not my own. I gave it up on the bank of a river in Vietnam. I'll get to that in a moment. But I want to tell you about that woman, Maria Rubio. She loved Jesus. She taught me to love Jesus. And then when my mother improved enough to be able to speak and to do some of the things moms do for their babies, it would be short-lived. She would not live long that she could help me. She lived to be 70, curled up in that fetal position, fed through two, died at 68 pounds. But when she could still speak, she taught me everything she could because she knew her day was coming. And for those that say, well, bless God, she must have sinned. Well, if that's the case, you should be dead. Don't tell me God did that to her because she sinned. If that was the case, I thought Jesus took that for us. I thought he died once and for all. I remember a guy named David Ring, a wonderful guy. I don't know if he's still had a heart from him for a long time. He had MS, I think. And he said, I have MS. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah. I've actually had people say, well, get sin out of your life. God, take those scars off your face. I said, well, if you don't have some sin in your life, I'm going to do something to you and make you sin. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I've put up with a lot of junk. It's like going to some church. By the way, you guys have some awesome music here. I I thought the drummer was really good. I don't understand the bulletproof glass, but he seemed good to me. I go to some churches and it starts out, Y'all pray for us while we try to sing. Well, they start trying to sing and I start praying. But... (laughs) God, kill them or kill me, but somebody's going to die here today. (laughs) Y'all have great worship. I love it. Matter of fact, I took a bunch of pictures today of y'all's worship thing. Just keep doing it right, please. Keep doing it right. Because there's people like me that come into a place like this and find out what reality is. Sometimes we need a little reinforcement that there is reality out there in this world of phoniness. And thanks for your stand for, against abortion, Pastor. There's only so many babies you can kill before you lost your conscience. And we have political parties that have lost their conscience. They're capable of doing anything and everything. You can't kill that many babies and not kill your own. Someone said, with every child born, proves that God has not given up on the human race. I say with every child aborted, it proves that we did give up on the human race. We've got to make changes, and you can't do a sitting at home, so go vote Tuesday. If you haven't already, go vote Tuesday. So my mom was a political science and taught me to stand what I believed in, and I do. And it's sometimes at great cost. There's things I could have done that I'm not going to ever get the chance because of my political stance. And I believe I'm politically based out of a biblical base. Thank you for saying what you said about it's not politically correct. Make it biblically correct and you're going to always be fine. And if we stick by that principle, we'll, we'll get the right people in the right place doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason and get the right results. So I grew up in a household of faith and I watched my mom's health deteriorate till she died. Now, that's almost a contradiction in terms. But never once did I ever hear these words pass her lips. Why mean, God? Don't ask that question. What if he answered you? <laughs> I don't know, George. There's just something about you I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> if your name was George, that was an accident. I didn't mean it. God's not trying to tell you something, George. So I grew up to follow my dad, who was a pastor, and he was my hero. Never threw me a football, never threw me a baseball. He never one time attended the football game that I played in. but he was my hero because he loved my mama and he loved me and he taught me mechanics. And today my hobby is I build hot rods and I build some of the best hot rods in the world. You'd be shocked if you saw it was in my garage and I build them over a period long period of years because I don't have the money to do what I want to do, but I do what I can do. And I do very well, especially if you like 57 Chevys, I'll go on. I won't stay there, but I'll move right along. And so my dad was my hero. And, I got to say this, whenever it came time to choose a profession, all the football stars and all the basketball stars, they never even entered the picture. Not once. It was my dad. I wanted to be like dad. I didn't care about Mike or anybody. I wanted to be like dad. And so I went to Bible college, learned how to be a preacher. That really flunked. <laughs> I worked over here at what was then called General Dynamics. Had a job there, was making more money than my college president, literally. I was a sophomore in college making more money than the college president because I had a crucial job. I was paid overtime, double time for holiday work, triple time if it was overtime on a holiday. I was making tons of money, and my grades went down, my check went up, and I got a letter from a very, very wealthy uncle. His name is Sam. And he was inquiring about my health and thought I should take a physical. I wrote back and said, Thank you for your inquiry, but I feel fine. Well, the long story short is, I took my physical, so I'm my past that whole semester. I got no plus on the blood test. You didn't get that one. I'm going to leave that one there, and you'll think about it at midnight. You'll wake up laughing. They told me I'd be inducted in the Army, so I went out and joined the Navy so I wouldn't get hurt serving in the military. <laughs> I got up one morning and had a bad decade. <laughs> I joined the Navy. My training after boot camp was at NAB, Naval Amphibious, Amphibious Base, Coronado, California. I was trained by the commander of a SEAL Team 1 and was assigned to SEAL Team 1, as I mentioned earlier, but I was not a SEAL. I was a Brownwater Blackberry. And when I kissed my little... Junior, high school, sweetheart, wife, goodbye. You heard me. I was 16 when I asked her to marry me. She was 13. She slapped me. She said, I'm only 13 years old. I said, but you have the body of a 14-year-old. She slapped me again, very conservative. She didn't want me using the word body. That was TMI, too much information. And she said, I'm not going to marry you. I'm too young. And her dad said the same thing, and his name was Smith N. Wesson. (laughs) And he spoke with a thundering voice. (laughs) So we waited till she graduated, and a few days later she became my wife. And then she's standing at Love Field as I'm leaving to go to Vietnam with the Special Forces of the U.S. Navy with the highest KIA killed in action per capita of anyone in the war. But you can't prove it because... When our boats made a fiberglass, remember it went down, they went down with the bodies of the men. And if you don't have a body to recover, you're not KIA, you're MIA, even though they know you're dead, missing in action. When I said to her, she asked me, she said, "Davy, are you coming back? Her little sweet face just covered in tears. I remember kissing the, the tears off her lips. I can still taste the salt of those tears. That's how strong that that memory is. I said, I'll be back without a scar. And when I said it, I felt a chill up my spine. I knew knew the statistics. We'd already been told, you're not coming back. And if you do, you won't be the man you were. And I was not the man I thought I was. On July the 26th, 1969, yes, all you young snots out there. It's not right after the War of 1812. July 26th, I picked up a White Foster's hand grenade standing in the bow boat. River patrol boat on the border of Cambodia and the jungle of Vietnam on the Vam Kote River. I drew back, not knowing I held my destiny in my hand. A sniper put me in the crosshairs of his rifle and pulled the trigger. He missed. He was shooting at my head, but he hit my hand. And the phosphorus grenade compromised. Air got in, and air is all necessary to explode phosphorus. If air touches it, it explodes in full velocity. And it blew right here. That's why it all came off. I looked down. I could see my heart beating. I was pumping blood with every beat of my heart out of a lacerated artery in my right wrist. These three fingers and thumb were hanging by tendons. That's the only finger that works. When they put me through the medical board of evaluation for estimation of my disability, they came up. This is the honest to God truth. They came up. Everything that didn't work before, if you got hurt and it doesn't work now, and it worked before, you got a disability. For each finger, had its own disability. The only finger left on my hand that was not blown off was that one. The thumb was gone over here. They made that out of my hip. (laughs) I don't suck my hip, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I just thought of that. That's pretty sick, isn't it? If you're in junior high, you like that. Some of you still can't get over the fact I'm laughing about it. Some of you can't. I'm not through yet. I'm not through laughing. I'm not through yet. Oh, no. That thing blew. Blonde in my eye, deaf in my ear, stunned, shocked. I jumped in the water to my dismay. Phosphorus burned in water. I continued to burn. My skin was all around me. I was beside myself. And <laughs> Did you get it? need to pull myself together. They measured up all of the percentage, including square inches of scar tissue. You know what my total disability is? I'm 240% disabled. That's twice and a half not. The Navy said, oh, you can't be more than 100% of anything, so you're 100% permanent, total, and unemployable. Now, I've got a question for you. What's this thing I'm holding? Microphone. What's this? Disabled hand. It's a microphone stand. Look here. I got a preaching finger. I have the anointing. You take a microphone stand and preach your finger, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you've got an evangelist. I have a job. I'm employable. And I didn't let the world call me by their name. I'm called by the name of Christ. So when the world says you can't, you say I can. They say don't, you say do. Don't let them define you. You're defined by the Almighty. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus now. Amen. So I got to rush to conclude. I'm down a few seconds at the end. I'm I'm going to push the limit just a minute or two if I can, Pastor. I've got to be careful Uh, because I know we're on line somewhere or something. Uh, Y'all have a few people watching. So to conclude, I want to tell you, they sent me to Japan after my injury because they didn't want me dying in country. Then you're on the Walter Cronkite death count, which was influencing the the whole world. Media, my friends, don't trust them. Just don't trust them. I don't trust them. If you're a Christian in media or politics, stay there because you're the last living hope for them. Stay in there. Don't quit. If you're a teacher and you love Jesus, stay in there. No matter what you go through, stay in there. We need you. So... bottom line is they sent me to Japan to die, and I asked for a mirror, which was stupid, and they brought one, which was stupid. When I saw what was left, I remembered the promise I'll be back without a scar. And that's what hurt more than all the pain or all the imagery of of total destruction of my image. I lost it over knowing that I would not be that handsome young prince. I was not the man I thought I was. And I tried to do something that's very wrong. I tried to kill myself because I didn't want her to see. I knew they wouldn't open the casket. I was a monster. When I looked in that mirror, my last vestige of hope went away. That was the worst day of my life. It went on the bank of the river, it was in that bed in the hospital in Japan. When I looked in that mirror, and I saw that broken promise. I pulled the tube, I laid my head back, and I waited to die. And I got hungry. <laughs> wrong tube. I pulled out lunch. I did. You can die that way, It was going to take a while. <laughs> to punish me, they took my last little testament, put me on a plane, and sent me to America because they said I would die on the airplane. But I fooled them. I lived. I got to Lackland Air Force Base. They put me on a helicopter and on my stretcher, flew me over to Fort Sam Houston, Brook Army Medical Center, and I was in the burn ward for 13 surgeries of 14 months before they let me go, a year, two months in that hospital. And I'm still a patient there. So it, it's a never-ending struggle to keep my life. But so far, so good. The, the greatest loss I've ever known in my life was not in Vietnam. It was a few months ago when my wife left me for another man. His name is Jesus, and he took her to his place. I got his name. I know where he lives. And I'm fine with it now, but at first I was really upset at him. Then I realized she got there, threw her arms around him and said, Dave who? <laughs> I'm all right with it, but I miss my baby. Oh, I miss her. Amen. Amen. It's okay. Something would be wrong if I didn't, Amen. <laughs> Amen. So to conclude real quickly, uh, they, they put me in the intensive care unit, the ICU, and I don't know what that meant until they put the robe on me. It doesn't come together. It's the ICU. <laughs> Now, that's the real army draft they don't tell you about. <laughs> they had a woman come in and see her husband. He was in the bed next to mine. She threw her ring on the bed and said, you're embarrassing. I couldn't walk down the street with you and walked out on him. I'm the next guy. A woman walks in, little teenage wife, bit down and kissed what was left of my face, looked me in my good eyes. she said, I just want you to know I love you. Welcome home, Davey. And when she says, Davey, <laughs> <laughs> I said, baby, I'm sorry. I can't look good for you. She said, baby, you never were good looking. (laughs) So with that, I close. And if I had another two hours, I couldn't begin to tell you the depth of what God's done. Undeservingly, he's done it for me because he loved me when I don't deserve it. But I will close with a little video. It runs about two and a half, three minutes. If you got that time, it shows you. My passion for my country. Show you the ranches we built, Pastor. I think you'll love seeing these. You'll see the places down in the Middle East. I work in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, UAE, Afghanistan, Iraq, Bosnia, Syria, Kosovo, North Africa, South Korea, Japan, and Okinawa. Those are the countries that I can tell you I go to, that I work with our military to keep them from taking that last leap into the darkness they stare into and suicide prevention. You'll see those places. Then finally, you'll see the most difficult thing I've ever been asked to do for my country. It's not survive Vietnam. It's to bring home on those giant cargo planes, C-130s, a floor of that airplane filled with caskets. We call caskets, they call transfer cases covered in flags of warriors that laid down their lives in valor for our freedom to sit in this room. Maybe for another short period of time. Before socialism turns to communism, and we'll never have the chance to do what we're doing again without God intervening, maybe as early as Tuesday. I'm asking you to watch the angel flight home, and maybe it'll touch you the way it did me when we put it together. I'm just going to say goodbye to you. Now, I normally would like to do an invitation, but time, I will let Pastor decide how. I just want to tell you it's been a pleasure to be with you. And Pastor, I pray that your vision for veterans will take root and grow. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to on. happen. Going to and happen. I'll do everything I can to partner with you folks to help that happen. And I just want to tell you that I'm not really this emotional. I'm allergic to your carpet, and it makes my eyes really water up bad. But it's been such a delight. I didn't know what I had been missing by not having known you before. I'm glad we're friends now. Stop by my table. Help me pay for that boiler next week when you buy that product. Amen. And uh, I'll be back. I'm going to autograph some books if that means. I do that because it's a contract between you and me. If you see my name, you got to pray for me. Amen. I'm Dave Reaver, and I approve to this message. <laughs>
0: Wow. We were in the back, and uh, Dave was telling us about this. And I said, what do we do? How, how do we help? And, and it, it, it's not a coincidence. I just said to Pastor Scott, Pastor Brandon, and Pastor Wanerson, I said, just Thursday. It was just Thursday. I said, God's put in my heart, we need to do something f- with vets. Little did I know God would show us. And so when we were out back there, Dave was telling us about, they reach out. And they don't take offerings from churches or anything like that. They, they don't do that. And uh, he said, I said, we're going to put a team together. We're going to get somebody to head it up. We're going to put a team together of men and women that want to reach out. 22 vets a day commit suicide. And we need to let them know somebody cares. We need to let them know somebody cares. We need to let them know... And I asked Dave, I said, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, how many vets do you think are here? He said, at least a half a million. I said, how many have these kind of problems? He said, at least 50,000. Yeah. You know, we know the scripture where it says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to work, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we know that word righteous... In Hebrew means acts of kindness. Look for acts of kindness, and so we pray this. Our staff, we, you, all of us, we pray. God show us what we're to do next. What are we to do next? And I can remember when we got a phone call from Zimbabwe. How many years have we been feeding these kids now? Long time. I mean, all the way back, Christine, all the way back to Portland, yeah. where and and the need gets greater. And we, I think we start off with. 5,000 kids, and then they go, we got another 5,000, and we got, well, we got another 20. I think we're up over 50,000 kids a day. Huh? Meals. 50,000 meals a day to kids because of you. And you know what? you know the amazing thing is? Every time we step out to obey what God tells us to do, to be a blessing, God takes care of it. Isn't that amazing? He always takes care of it. And I wasn't thinking this direction. I, you, know, you know, our heart is in doing a lot of other things. And then, by no coincidence, this precious lady drawing by and say, how come you're not in that church? And they could not fill. They, tr- they were trying to fill. Dave go is somewhere. I've known Dave for 25 years. He's somewhere every week. And they could not fill this Sunday. Because God wanted him here because God was telling us there are some some vets out there and families and marriages. You know, I told the staff the other day in staff meeting, I said, I'm feeling this need to for an overcomers ministry we used to, we used to have of important to have strong strong overcomers ministry for drug addicts and and i think that's a powerful thing and i think we need to do that but then i realized as dave was telling us about this this is this is an overcomers ministry that we need to reach out and say you know what that we here care and so i want you to pray about it and we're gonna we're gonna figure this out and dave said we're gonna he, he's in fort worth we're gonna work together on this we're gonna uh, he said he'll train us we're gonna figure out who wants to if you want to be a part of this of reaching vets whether you're male or female how many women are veterans uh, it's uh, small uh,
3: enough,
1: obviously,
0: they're devastated yeah and, and I think I think including this, and I'm so glad you said Kathy includes first time responders, police officers, um, firefighters, and we're going to talk. We're going to. I've got a really special. We've got a special service next week. But if you'd like to be a part of a ministry, to where's Wanderson? Where's Wanderson? Come down here so everybody can see you. If you'd like to be a part of a ministry to reach vets, we're just giving this. I'm not putting something else on Wanderson, but come and tell him. If you say, you know what, I don't know, what do we do? I don't know what we're going to do. But if when we're going to get a team together, and Dave's already invited us, he said, let's bring that team up to Colorado or the place down in t- Texas, but probably Colorado, and we're going to do a three-day training there or whatever. But, boy, we we cannot say enough and do enough to say to every person who served in military who's had a loved one served in military you know while we're sitting there i had a thought and it and you know how we have hats and stuff that say make america great again i thought of a thought make america in small print one nation under god again make america under god again and I think a way to do that is to reach out and help our veterans and their families. And so I may believe that's a, that's a, that's a God idea, not a good idea, a God idea. And let me say this in closing, because I want I want us to pray together. I'm, I'm not going to have an altar call for salvation. If you're here and you're, especially if you're a vet, but, just because of the sake of time, I don't want to take a lot of time. If you'd like us to pray with you, if you would like to sit, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is the answer. They, you say, Well, I'll never change. You know, you, you've heard my story. They, they told my mom and dad, Your son's a junkie. The world says, Once a junkie, always a junkie. The world says, You'll never change. That's what the world says. But the Word says, Who the Son sets free shall be free indeed. That's what the word says. And so we're going to have our prayer warriors down here to pray with you. But I want you to come in agreement with me. I'm looking at these, that plane with the rockets shooting out, welcome. People who died for us. People who died for us so that we have the freedom to come in here and lift our hands and worship God. And we have a freedom to be a family, white, black, brown, Asian, Native American, male and female, young and old, and worship the living God together. They died for us. And I want to ask you to pray with me, come in agreement. We will not let these crooked politicians give our nation away that men and women have fought and died for. Are you in agreement? Would you take your neighbor's hand in, in, in unity? And let's, say, let's come in agreement. Father, in the name of Jesus, first off, we wanna, we wanna release praise and honor, obviously to you, but to the men and women and families who have fought so that we can be one nation under God and that is the god of abraham isaac and jacob and father i ask you to give us direction give us divine wisdom give us guidance in what to do and how to do it give us the people that will rally for this chosen ministry for such a time as this i ask you to bless dave and all of his crew and all that they're doing what an amazing ministry what satan has meant for evil what an example of you using it for good for the glory of god and for men and women who are made in that glorious god's image and father i ask you to touch our nation that when the polls close on tuesday let god be on the throne in our hearts in our lives and in our government once again And Father, we ask you that you never allow us to go asleep in the light. That we be a light to the world. In not only our nation, but in every nation that's watching right now around the world. We ask you for your blessing. We ask you for your power. We ask you for your anointing. And we give you all the praise. And all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, God bless America. Give the Lord a clap offering.